and welcome to Level Up and Friends, uh, the show where those of us from the comic book and video game store, Level Up Entertainment, get together some friends and uh, we discuss various topics that we're interested in. Um, to celebrate the 35th anniversary of Back to the Future, one of one of our all-time favorite movies, and I would say probably the, the favorite movie of my panelists here, um, we, we decided that it's a good appropriate time to discuss um, this movie and its franchise surrounding it. Um, I'm your host this week, Scott, and joining me, I have Kendall. Hello. And then I have Harry. Great, Scott. I had to do it. Yeah, this is, <laughs> oh, this is heavy. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not going on on a limb by saying I believe this is both of yours favorite movie. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Okay. This is a very close number two for me. Um, Ghostbusters, I think, gets it by a hair. Mm. See, um, mine is the the, the other way around. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I will say, and this might be a weird statement considering what I just said. I do think Back to the Future is a better movie. Um, and I guess you know part of the podcast is we'll explain why a little bit. Um, but what I because I last night I rewatched it um, for for uh, research purposes for this episode, but really just as an excuse to watch the movie because uh, it's so good. Um, but like the movie's so dense with like setups and callbacks. Like there's absolute, like it, may, it amazes me that there is deleted scenes because there's like nothing you can trim from this movie. Like everything builds on top of each other. They even go out of their way to show little things like Marty has his headphones and Walkman and all these different things when he goes back in time. And they go out of the way to show he does not have plutonium, which is one of the big uh, problems that, mm -hmm. uh, uh, that prevents him from going back to the future. Um, but I'll let you, I'll throw it to you guys a little bit. Um, so, I, you know, I, it's your favorite movies. Can you maybe, you know, you guys would like to explain a little bit why uh, it's your favorite movie. I'll start with Harry on this one. Oh, man. Uh, so, like you said, the first one is uh, just a perfect, it's my definition of a perfect movie. It's just everything that, yeah. is set up so well and it all pays off and nothing seems sort of out of place or kind of an off tangent thing especially that climax at the end everything's just so wound up so tight and you know are they going to make it back i ask myself every time um but i i've loved the franchise since i was a little kid um something about seeing the delorean roll out of doc's uh, big truck for the first time uh that just stayed with me as a little kid like that that's like my ultimate movie car even though it didn't work all the time and it was constantly breaking down um, you know, that was really impressionable to a, a little kid. And then, you know, my parents, uh, we went on vacation to Florida. So I got to experience the ride and like that just, that took it to another level. And there was the cartoon. So like, I was just hit with all the Back to the Future stuff at, at like the perfect age. Um, even though some of the elements of the movie may not be <laughs> that great for kids. Um, I was just, uh, I was born and raised with it and uh, stuck with me ever since. How about you, Kendall? Yeah, Back to the Future, that basically my mom tells this story that a Back to the Future like taught me how to use the VCR basically. <laughs> I was two years old and I would just watch the movie, rewind it, and just watch it again to the point where my mom's like, I'm going to sleep. You let me know when you're done watching this movie <laughs> so I can put you to bed. Yeah, I, it's, yeah, I mean, as a kid, I mean, just that car is so cool. 
Marty himself is so cool. Like, I mean, he like skateboards, he plays guitar. He's, he's awesome. I mean, like, what, what is there not to like about the movie? He's the most 1985 kid. So it's, it makes sense. It's really fish out of water when he goes back 30 years. For sure. Uh, and rewatching the movie, it's amazing how surprised he is. He's in 1955 because he just saw that this was a time machine and that if he went 88 miles an hour, he would transfer, like go through time. So I think that is kind of funny rewatching it now. Um, and rewatching it ne- like last night, uh, I did notice there's some green screen effects that aren't all that great. Um, but oh, like the, the hand? Not just the hand, but like <laughs> when uh, they first do the, 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 the time machine first goes through time and uh, Marty and Doc are standing in front of it and then the, the, the fire strips, like they're clear, their foot is clearly over, like overlaid on top of the footage of the fire. But you kind of don't care because it's so cool. Um, I mean, it's a miracle the movie came out on time in the first place. It didn't come out on time. I mean, they had oh, to yeah. push it back. They had so, to reshoot I mean, like half the movie, right? Because they, they were re- five weeks in with a different yeah. lead. They had Eric and... Stoltz as Marty when they wanted Marty. Uh, they wanted Michael J. Fox was their first pick, but they couldn't get him. Well, there's a we know there's we know there's a whole big behind the scenes uh, story for that. Because what was the show he was on? Uh, Family Family Ties. Family Ties. That's what it was. Alex um, B. Keaton. Yeah, where uh, I know that when it became time to actually, he, he became Marty, he was working family ties every day during the day. Then he would go to the Universal Backlot and shoot Back to the Future. And it was like grueling. But it doesn't come, like, one of the things I think that makes the movie so good is like the casting is perfect for every incidental character. Like, there's no one that like kind of takes you out of it. I mean, maybe the closest is Goldie Wilson. Goldie Wilson is great. It's great. Yeah, he's great, but like he's the most like kind of overacting kind of character. Everyone else feels very natural and like Harry, I know you've had a chance to meet almost everybody that that uh has has made the movie over the years. And the guy who plays Biff, I can never remember his name. Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson. All right. I hear he's like the nicest dude in real life and he's so despisable. <laughs> so despicable as as Biff in every single incarnation of Biff that he plays. Yeah, they've been, the cast has been doing the convention circuit, especially recently with like the 30th anniversary and the 35th anniversary, like the last five years or so. Um, And got a chance to meet Tom Wilson. He's from New Jersey. Um, Super nice guy. You know, he like, I I thanked him for coming to the convention so we could meet him. And he thanked me back, which is like, you know, it's just kind of this weird, like, well, thanks for staying in line and meeting me. And, you know, he's telling jokes and stuff. And like, I don't know, I think early on the cast was very afraid of being typecast. Like, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. Michael J. Fox didn't want to put his face on, you know, a lot of Back to the Future stuff. And and they wanted to distance themselves. And Tom Wilson came out with like this, this great like question song where he just pre-recorded every possible back to the future question you could ask him and he's put it to song he's like this is it i'm, I'm tired of being asked about back yeah. to the future uh, <laughs> but it's, it's, it, the joke is that he keeps getting asked like the same 10 questions over and over what's the manure smell like you know is christopher lloyd nice what's yeah, michael stuff. j fox like yeah. you know all he's this a nice stuff. guy yeah <laughs> it's very good it's worth it's on youtube uh, it's worth worth seeking out um but you know now they must have come around a little bit you know it's they're doing the convention circuit it pays you know the bills um they're doing autographs and and all that stuff so if you get a chance to meet them nicest people they'll take pictures you know they'll yeah they're they're great yeah so if you get a chance to meet meet any of the people doing it uh i think i'd ask leah thompson about howard the duck though um i will say this christopher lloyd is very shy 
He is a very shy, quiet, reserved man, mm-hmm. which is crazy because he's so well known for these like over the top, you know, loud <laughs> characters. Yeah. Reverend Jim and Uncle Fester and, and oh. Judge Doom and all this stuff. And when you meet him in person, it's almost a letdown if you don't realize how uh, shy he is because he, he's so kind of quiet and, you know, he's very soft-spoken. And it's, it's just a funny uh, dichotomy there. Well, sp- well, speaking of Christopher Lloyd, uh, I mean, just talk about being the part born you're born to play. I can't imagine anyone else doing Doc Brown. And, and no. it working even half as well as it does. Um, I will say my experience with Back to the Future is my dad was a huge Christopher Lloyd fan because of Taxi and like other things he had done. So I remember, because I was born in 1985, so I'm the same age as this movie. So it's also my 35th anniversary of this year. <laughs> um, but I remember watching it on, on VHS. I remember renting it and loving it as a kid watching my dad. I, was, I, had, to have been, I had to have been past five because I think this was, because the second movie came out in 89. And I remember being, I, th- I think this was the first time I realized that sequels were a thing. Because I remember my mind being blown that there was another one. And we had to go get it like right away from the video store. Um, and I remember being really excited about that and not being as into the second one as I was the first. But I think it's because it's dealing a little like, it's dealing a lot more like butterfly effect kind of things with time travel. Um, which I think, I don't think Back to the Future 2 is as good as the first movie, but I think it's more interesting to at least talk about because there's a lot a lot more things happening. It's not just, oh, I got to get my parents back together and go back uh, in time. You got basically got to fix like all of time and space because they go to the future, which was five years ago. Um, they go back to an alternate 1985 where it's, it's different. And then they got to fix that. They have to go back to the original movie during the, the events of, you know, the original movie's events during 1955. So they're bouncing around all through the timeline. And then it ends on a cliffhanger where they have to go back to 1885. And then that's the whole third movie. Um, what do you guys think about the sequels? Just in a nutshell, we'll get into details in a bit. Um, the se- so when I was a kid, Back to the Future 2 was my favorite. They had a flying car. Mm-hmm. Like, and that I think was the first sequel I, I ever knew about as well. Like, it was like, whoa, another one? Like, yeah, that was my response too. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, as a kid, I loved the second one. Um, and the third one I enjoyed. I would watch it all the time, but definitely was always and still is my least favorite of the three. Um, but yeah, I think the sequels are a lot of fun. It, from a more analytical stance, it brings in a lot of things I don't like, like Marty and like being called chicken and stuff like that, I think is pretty corny. Um, and there's a lot, like even Doc, like in the beginning of the movie, he's like, oh, we got to help your kids. But then, you know, he then he's automatically like, oh, we need to destroy the time machine. And like in the next act, act of the movie. And it's just like, uh, it doesn't, if I don't look at it with an analytical eye, it's still very enjoyable. 
yeah, it's not quite the perfect movie that the first one is. Like, it's not as tightly structured. Um, at the same boat for me, like when I was a kid, the second one was my favorite because I loved just the opening 20 minutes when they're in the future and there's flying cars and that was still way off in the distance at the time. And, you know, yeah. I thought we've, we've only got, you know, we've got a few more years and we're going to get those flying cars <laughs> and didn't quite get there. Um, but I know, I know I, my brother's happy the Cubs won the World Series, so. <laughs> which they were very close. They were one year off on. They were that. one year um, off. Yeah, it was and they predicted right? a baseball team in Miami, which was also pretty cool because at the time there was no baseball team. Yeah. It wasn't the Miami Marlins yet. Uh, watch um, a baseball episode to learn more baseball facts. Um. <laughs> but uh, I, I just re I watched uh, the trilogy with my girlfriend for the first time, and she said that the second one is her favorite because it's the most visually interesting because I, of the different time periods. I can, I can get that. Yeah, because the other two movies are mostly stuck in one time setting in the past. Yeah. Uh, th that is a strength that the, the second movie has where, yeah, it is, it is a lot more distinct. Um, but yeah, I think because, so it's kind of infamous, especially if you watch the movies back to back, they really didn't plan a second movie because yeah. uh, they have to recreate the end of the first one because they, they kind of left like, not like a cliffhanger, but kind of like a fun little hook that was more just kind of like an adventurous nod to just the tone of the movie. Um, uh, but like the cars looks completely different. They have a different Jessica act, you know, actress playing her. Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer, Jennifer, sorry. Come on. If, you, get if you watch them side by side, watch for Marty's watch. Marty is wearing a watch uh, in the second part two uh, version of that scene. Oh. And yeah, it shows up. Well, he's wearing a watch in the first movie because it goes off when he's in the phone booth. and kind Yeah, of I might have it reversed. It might be the yeah. first one. Yeah. Uh, and his hairstyle completely changes too, but it's five years later. I mean, they had yeah. to recreate, and, and for them doing that five years later, it's pretty pitch perfect. Oh, I think yeah. it's really good, especially like the, the location and everything's still the same. And they do marry a little bit of footage from the first movie, with like Marty's parents kind of like looking at him with approval and stuff. Yeah. But at the time, like we weren't watching movies back to back. And even if we did, I was, the second movie came out, I was four. Like I wouldn't have noticed or cared. The the other thing to watch out for in that scene, Marty asks Doc, like, what happens to us in the future? What do we, we become, you know, jerks or something? You know, it, it's yeah. so not a different word, but I'm keeping it PG for you guys. Um, Thank you. And, and in, in the first one, Doc just straight up answers like, no, everything's fine. But in the second one, he pauses for a minute, thinks yeah. about it, and then he's like, no, no, everything turns out fine, which is great. <laughs> is this it's an great. alternate, alternate 1985? <laughs> no, no, they're talking about in the future, in 2015, because yeah. like they become kind of like Marty you know he gets no but that's what i'm saying accident. like the beginning of it is yet an al another alternate <laughs> 1985 so really we've never seen that original doc and marty move on with their lives that was one of the threads in the comic books is like what happens to the second marty that marty marty like inherits the life of this other marty that he has no memory of when we he were, comes we back were chatting about end. it before uh this started because there's a couple of like pretty horrifying existential crises with the time travel in this movie um, if you listen to my, if listeners have, have been listening to my, uh, the podcast, when our interview with uh, Kaylin Smith, we talked about what makes a good time travel story. And in it, I mentioned that like even the best ones, like and Back Future is my example, because it's probably the most well-known, well-received time travel movie. Um, even then, like not everything really makes sense when you start thinking about it. But as long as you have like the characters are compelling and like the story is interesting and like you're just kind of having fun, you don't really get hung up on that. Like we can nitpick this to death because we've been watching it our whole lives, like almost nonstop in a way. Kendall, your way literally nonstop for a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but like, so 
in it, like, you know, Marty alters this at the past. Uh, he, he essentially changes his parents' uh, life for the, for the better. When he comes back to the future, it's like, like, you know, they're a little bit more successful. His brother and sister are a little are more successful. But, you know, you get to see he comes back just before that he goes, he would have gone back in time initially. And, you know, spoiler alert, Doc got uh, mowed down by the Libyans. Um, but, you know, so we see a Marty go back in time. But Marty just, or the Marty we've been following just goes to his bedroom and just sort of like takes over his life but clearly doesn't have any memories from this new timeline and just basically replaced him. Yeah. When he goes to bed, he doesn't really know anything has changed. Yeah. yeah. Which is why they still have the same house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> Thank God, um, right? At least they said that uh, George just got his first book published. It's not like he's been rich and famous for so long. Um, True. But it is one of the, the comic book does address that. And it's one of the like, uh, crises that Marty is going through in the comics is like I have this whole other life that I don't remember and all these memories I don't I don't know you know yeah uh, but do you think that they created like this in, infinite time loop of splintering reality by like all of these other Marty's going back in time and then starting their like changing things in 1955 and then coming back to the future and then replacing another Marty that goes back in time and changes things in 1955. Well, so the weird thing about it, the yeah. reason it doesn't make sense is because if that Marty we saw at the end did go back to 1955, he would have met the Marty that was already in that timeline, 1955, you know? Yeah, so I would like to think that fun. Doc... Yeah. I would like to think that Doc, knowing that that would happen, mm -hmm. would have like maybe planned for that. And was like, oh, we'll just put in some different coordinates. <laughs> so there's not just Marty on top of Marty. Maybe when I they just... go back, maybe, all right, so maybe this is only a problem for the Marty from the first movie. Maybe when they go back in time, because it's the exact same time and the exact same like spatial positioning, that when he goes back in time, he just merges with that Marty. And then so that way, instead of, they've only created two parallel Martys instead of an infinite infraction going on throughout and destroying the space-time continuum. Yeah, that, that's kind of how they deal with that. Like, I think the timelines kind of merge after a certain point. Um, like, you see it with the newspapers, how the newspapers change. I think they just kind of merge into, like, the new timeline yeah. after, cool. after a certain amount of time. Because that's true, like, his photographs and things from different time periods will alter if you change the change events. Yeah. Which I know is, uh, which has been the focal point of many, many Back to the Future games that we have played over the years. <laughs> well, one of the plot hole questions that come up a lot is, um, you know, in the first movie, they send Einstein one minute into the future. And Einstein doesn't exist for that, that full minute. The, the car disappears and it comes back a minute later. But when they go into the future of 2015, you know, they can see their future selves and they can, you know, the, Jennifer interacts with their future self and it doesn't, it doesn't follow the same rules. So people get kind of frustrated about that um, i mean how did, um, i've never thought about that that's crazy yeah no wait I'm, I'm confused by what you mean about that so einstein doesn't exist for the full minute that he travels in yeah. time uh the minute forward yeah but doc marty and jennifer travel from 1985 to 2015 and they encounter their future well they encounter future marty and future jennifer there so they clearly still exist in the timeline uh, when yeah, they encounter Yeah, because I guess it assumes they go back in time at some point. Right. Yeah, 
I mean, that's why I mean time travel doesn't make sense. Like, Break your brain. It's one of those things. Like I always think about the the second Austin Powers movie. Where he's trying to, she's trying to comprehend the time travel and gets cross-eyed, and then they break the fourth wall, and they're like, "I don't think you should worry about it." And then they look at the camera and they're like, "And neither should you." Um, so that's kind of how I view time travel stories and stuff. I think the only one I've seen that like works flawlessly is Ivar Timewalker from Valiant, um, but I'd have to reread it uh, again just to make sure. I haven't. The problem is like I wouldn't even think of this stuff because I just. But we've seen back. I've seen Back Future series so much over the course of my life that you start to find like new things to notice. Like I noticed in rewatching it now, cause I was, I always knew it was there, but now I was looking for it is there's a lot of product product placement, but it's integrated really well. It's usually there to show like the difference between like what Pepsi was like in the fifties versus the eighties. But like there's lots of, lots of ads and things for them in the background. Um, so it's, it's noticeable once you're looking for it. And then obviously when they go back to like, they imagine what they would look like five years ago. Uh, you know, they, they they did like crazy futuristic bottles and stuff. Um, yeah, did that ever come out? That's yes. perfect. Oh, I yeah, have one. Hang he's on. got one right off to the side <laughs> of the camera there. Um, but yeah, no, Pexy Perfects came out, and I know they you could open them up and drink them, but everyone I know that got one like kept them. Uh, of course, uh, of course. <laughs> that is one of the there you go. Things. Straight from 2015. That that Pepper. is yeah. That is one of the great things about when the future finally happened in, in real life is this just the, the hullabaloo hub, like the excitement and everyone getting like together for, for uh, Back Future. We had a big Back to the Future 2 showing on the, the day they came to the, uh, was it October 10th, 15th? 25th. 20, yeah, uh, 2015. I thought it was 21st or 21st. 23rd. It might have been, I don't remember the exact day. I just remember it's in October. 21st. I think that's right. But like I, yeah. the, the the movie theater played like a, a, a marathon of all three movies back to back, which I know uh, Harry and I and a couple other friends went to, and that was the one where it was like the third movie was really dragging. But that's because I just sat through two movies. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I've been in the movie theater a little too long. Um, it's still fun, like because I never got to see two and three in theater. I never got to see any of them in their initial run. Um, but we had John Retro movie nights for Back to the Future and stuff in the past. Um, yeah, everybody just, always does the first one when they do like those retro yeah. movie nights. They never do two and three. I can definitely, people don't really like three. I like three fine, but I'm also a fan of Westerns. Um, and like, yeah, it's, it's not as exciting as the second one just because, but like you, you like Doc and Marty, especially at that point, you like them so much that like, you kind of want to see one last adventure. I think it just was a little bit of a letdown. Maybe if there was a Back to the Future 4, um, that was like that kind of followed up on like the time train thing. I know that's sort of what the cartoon show was about. Um, but let, let's segue from that into some of the the media beyond the the original three movies. I know we had mentioned the IDW comics, which um, were they all written by Bob Gale? I know you collected all of them, Harry. I stopped at the first mini series. No, I, Bob kind of dropped out, and he was more of like a consultant on a lot of them. I think it ran for maybe 25, 26 issues. And then they went on, they did a, a side like mini uh, arc for Doc and his kids on the time train and the family. Yeah. Um, time train mini arc. Yeah. There was, there were a couple of storylines. It was, uh, you know, maybe five, six issues each. Like I said, one dealt with the new Marty. Uh, another one dealt with, um, you know, if it, what happened with Doc in 1955 when both Lorraine and George come looking for Calvin 
Yeah. Um, uh. Which was, you know, it's like, they, I liked it because they tried to handle and address a lot of open questions that fans have had for so long. You know, you're like, why didn't they name their firstborn Marty? You know, and why they wait until the second uh, I, son? I remember one of the things they did <laughs> with like how Doc had money and stuff is he went and got a copy of Action Comics number one, went to 1950, uh, 19, sorry, 2015 or something and sold it. He did what he what he told Marty not to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, but that's something he took from the past to the future. So yeah. It's kind of like a lost artifact. He just is the reason it was lost. Um, yeah. But he didn't go back in time and like bet on stuff, which we saw the catastrophic effects of that. Yeah, you just get 2020 a couple years, uh, yeah, you just a couple decades earlier. earlier. Which is especially <laughs> funny. Uh, not to get too political on the show, but it's been, it's been common knowledge and they've been very upfront about this for a long time that the alternate 1985 evil corporate tycoon Biff is very much based on Donald Trump. Um, and now we're all kind of living that nine, alternate 1985. Um, but we'll move on that. I will say I love Biff as a bad guy. Um, I would say that that's probably what makes the third one so disappointing is that his, that version of Biff is so just like straight, like, western bad guy he doesn't get a chance to have a lot of personality which i think i think it shows that that thomas wilson has a actually a pretty fun range uh because you know classic biff from the first movie is that like god you love to hate him kind of character he's such a jerk and then like he clearly assaulted lorraine sometime in the past so it makes yeah. him watch when he's like say hello to your mother for me to marty in the beginning so creepy yeah um and unsettling and then the second one, he's more buffoonish, but you get that, you get 1955 Biff, you get old 19 or 2015 Biff, you get uh, Griff, his like grandson in the future, who's like, I love Griff. Some, some, he's like my favorite. His bionic implants. He's my oh, yeah. favorite character in the whole franchise. And then you get alternate 1985 Donald Trump Biff, and he's just evil and he loves it. Um, and... I don't know. It's, it's it's fun, and they're like all fun in their own way. But like, yeah, like Griff is just—he's just a comedic character. Like he's nowhere so near funny. as menacing. But then you know, but he's also part of one of the more iconic scenes in the franchise—the hoverboard scene. You know. Yeah, yeah it's, Which... it's great to see how Thomas Wilson could play those characters so differently. Um, you know, just each different incarnation of Biff has a different personality, which is yeah. awesome. It's a and testament then, to him as an actor. And then Mad Dog Cannon is just a straight bad guy. And that's a little, I think, I think if he was a little bit more over the top, I think that would help the third movie a lot. Cause it's, it's very subdued compared to the other two. Yeah. But I also think like in the setting, like Mad Dog, he's supposed to be that, that bad guy, that gritty just like, I will say, not that he's very gritty, but like, the dude has committed murder, you know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> Compar comparatively, at least. The, the um, thing I really like about the third movie is, I consider it Doc's movie, where definitely. I think the first two are definitely, you know, the McFly family, and it's more centered around Marty. The first one, you don't get very much of Doc at all. I mean, maybe 1950s Doc a little bit, but um, I, I would say, you know, the third one being Doc's movie, it's a romance. Um, it does kind of change the tone a little bit, but I, I enjoyed that because I like Doc as a character and I, I like getting to spend a little bit more time with him. Yeah. Speaking of the third movie in Doc, we're just a few days away from the day Doc gets shot. When's this episode dropping, Scott? 
tomorrow on the 4th. Maybe wait a couple days. Drop it on the 7th. Yeah. Shot in the back of a matter of $80? Yeah. What kind what of future, future do you call that? <laughs> <laughs> I will say my favorite thing of, of the third movie, because let's sing its praises a little bit, because it's not a bad movie. It's just not mm -hmm. as good as, I would say, two classic pieces of pop culture. Yes. Um, I like that they have to deal with, like, the technology of the time to kind of like rebuild their time machine and, and get back to the future. Um, I, I think that's fun. Cause even going back to 1955, like there's still cars and like things that they can do, uh, uh, you know, that they're not in the stone ages, not that they are in the wild west, but you know, like their most biggest thing is like windmills and stuff. You know, but it's and cool it was... because we have the same problem from the first movie again. Like they, they yeah. can't, power the time machine to get it to go just to jump back in time one time that's all they need um, but they don't it's even really have cool. the option of like harnessed electricity like because there is no like we don't have yeah but there's but still that feeling of like here's our one shot yeah. to like i i do feel like the climax of the first and third movies are both like they're similar both similar in that way and it's just like oh here's your only shot um Whereas, you know, the climax of two is like burning that book, you know, stopping yeah. Doc it's, from being condemned. It's a, little, it's a little bit more epic where they need to save the space-time continuum. Yeah. The, the first movie is like, I got to make sure my parents get together so I can be born. Um, the, sec the third movie is more just about them kind of saving themselves in a way. Um, what do you guys think of the... So at the end of the third movie... There's a train involved, and Doc kind of makes it into a new time machine because the DeLorean is destroyed at the end of the at the end of the third movie. Um, oh, tear. I know because it's really a, a character of its own. What do you guys think of the time train as a replacement? Obviously, we didn't get any adventures for it in live action. Um, it became a thing in the the cartoon show. But like, what do, what do you guys think of it? It. I might be thinking this just because he named his kids Jules and Vern, but like, it it does kind of have like this like. Jules Verne or like H.G. Wells type, type steampunky futuristic look to it. And I think that's yeah. kind of cool. I think it's a cool design. Um, I mean, we obviously like didn't get a movie with it. And even in the cartoon, it's the DeLorean is still the main still, time yeah. traveling. Yeah, I think that's... I, I think it's a yeah. fun throwback to the first movie again where like it's just a fun way to end the movie. But you, if you think about it too hard, you're going to hurt your brain because <laughs> how is he going to hide that train no matter where he's going? You know, it's like, <laughs> there's so many practical issues with it versus having it just be a car. Um, oh, but oh, another, it's just a fun way to end that movie. Another piece of the time travel list that doesn't make any sense. So, all right, so you time travel instantaneously, you, you change in time, right? Well, instantaneously from, from your perspective, but you're in the same physical space. The Earth is constantly moving and in different spots every every moment of, of, of every piece of time. So kind of like, so if you think about it from that perspective too, but like, like I said, any time travel movie, you can pick it apart. Um, but that's just something I, I know. So Kendall and I have been friends since high school and this is one of the things we would bond over. Uh, it was like this and Ghostbusters and Transformers, I think were our main things. Ninja I Turtles. Ninja Turtles, oh yeah, of course. Well, see, because we never stopped having Ninja Turtle conversations. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember, I remember us getting into the the weeds on like Back to the Future and how it works. I remember that was one of the ones we were like, "Oh yeah, 
in thinking like thinking like it might ruin the movie for you, but then you just watch it again, and, and it's just so good. And every yeah. single time, it's it's the score in it. I think that really elevates the the movie. Yeah. Because like when when the thing gets unplugged, I'm like, oh my god! Every single time, the the climax. Alan Silvestri. Is so intense. Oh, I love every it. time. So in my rewatch, I was like trying to think like, what's my favorite scene in the movie, and basically every time that that main theme comes up is like one of my favorite parts. Oh, definitely. Like from going back in time, running from the Libyans to like, I think my favorite part is when he's like skateboarding away from Biff and the gang and makes them crash. I love that scene. I love every like, remake of that in the future movies <laughs> i that that is i i'm pretty sure that's my favorite scene yeah but like, and then the end of the movie i am like nail biting on the edge of my seat the and car won't start oh no it won't start he's not the thing's ringing fine. he's gotta go yeah <laughs> it, it every builds, single time yeah yeah it sucks you in so good um, and a lot of it has to do with that score. Like, mm-hmm. it's brilliant. It's so yeah. good. And the scores in the second, the final movies aren't as memorable because it's it's mostly just reusing themes and stuff from the first movie. So to me, they don't the score doesn't stand out as much. Like I think they use the Back to the Future theme. My favorite scene in the second movie is when Marty jumps off the building and the DeLorean was down there and he lifts up and he comes oh, up. Yes. It's so good. But I think the scene swell, I think the music theme swells then too. Mm-hmm. But that whole, the whole confrontation with, with alternate Biff, alternate 80s Biff in his tower is my favorite part of that movie. And I it's just, so dark. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's part of what makes it so good. Like, and I, I like it. So like, not only is like Biff all powerful, like he killed Jewel, like, it's so personal to Doc and Marty. Oh yeah, like, yeah, he like destroyed their lives systematically. Yeah, it's just like it's amazing. Like, and and like behind the scenes, they were dealing with not having Crispin Glover uh, come back for the sequel because he was there was some contract dispute, and so they like used this lookalike for like far away shots, but like they couldn't use George. So the way they got around it was just kill him off, and yeah, it made the movie yeah. so much better because of it. Yeah, it made him so much more menacing. Just that little action. Oh yeah, and I love that his gang is still his henchmen, and they still have like like three D slash three D glasses and stuff. <laughs> and I love that in the future, there's like we always called him son of three D, even though it would really be like grandson. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I love those characters. <laughs> when you guys are talking mean. about the the score um, in the third one, they they change the score just enough to give it kind of like a western vibe which i think is is like a, another point for the third movie um it's kind of got this like bump 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 but you know it's got yeah, like I, this adventurous kind of uh, tone to it which i think is really cool oh, no, that's cool i will say one weird thing because they shot the uh, part two and part three back to back because when they thought they did the first one they didn't plan on making a sequel so they're like all right that was such a big hit we're gonna just make two it'd be easier if we just make two back to back is that we can use the same actors again, just playing different characters in, in their past. Um, so the second movie ends really bizarrely, where it's got, it ends with a trailer for the next movie. And I remember always thinking that was weird. 
So that wasn't the original plan. They um, in the theatrical run, it ended where the movie ended. Or it just says B to be continued. Yeah, and people got pissed. Like yeah. the, it affected the box office. So they hurried up and cut that trailer to throw at the end to to make people feel reassured that there was another movie coming. And like I think on some of the versions of the DVD, it actually says at the end like coming summer 1990 or something. That was just to make people like, okay, in like six months, you're going to get the next installment of this story um, because they were really upset. But like another thing that they said was they had originally planned for all of that, two, part two and part three to all be one movie. Really? And when they were writing, oh. yeah, when they were yeah. writing, they were like, whoa, we've got way too much here. Um, let's, let's break it up and, and spread it out. Yeah, it you works know? so much better as a trilogy. Yeah. I mean, um, granted, I have not seen the theoretical movie that they were planning on but maybe i can't time it'd be like a four hour five hour movie yeah (laughs) yeah. we we should we should point out with people being like confused and upset about them to be continued because the climate we live in with movies sequels are really kind of not that big a deal there was no really franchises the 80s kind of started it not counting like the universal horror movies or like star wars oh yeah but like this still was it still was a kind of a rare thing so, but even and then, like, like Star Wars, like Empire has an ending, right? Cliffhangers to end a movie were like super rare. I and, love and the ending of two. It's so good. I'm back. I'm back from the future. Yeah. <laughs> just like Christopher Lloyd's reaction to like he's just walking along and like he's like duck duck, and just I, it's so good. It's so good. So you, you mentioned um, you, you mentioned the the third movie coming out or, or saying it was coming out in 1990. Is that's so I was like five in in, in 1990. Um, so I I remember when the cartoon started. And I remember starting to watch it. And I remember not being into it because at least the episodes I saw. I know that there are episodes about it, but like because it wasn't Doc and Marty, it was like Doc it was like Doc's kids. I was just like not sucked into it at all. But I remember going to McDonald's. They had they had toys for the the, the yes. cartoon, and me and my brother we always got the time train with Einstein in it. That's the only one I ever had, and I had like five. That's gonna make me empty my whole. Yeah. <laughs> but like, do you guys did you were you guys into the cartoon when it was a, a thing? I saw a few episodes of the cartoon. I wasn't. I think by the time it came out. Um, just, I don't know. I think part of the magic of the Back to the Future franchise, like, as a kid, I wanted more, but, like, it it kind of works best as, like, a finite thing, I, I believe. Because, um, yeah, their adventures could, could never end. But the, the cartoon maybe proved why they, it should end, you know? Like, going back and meeting Bithycus in ancient Greece <laughs> is a little, I say a little, it's very silly, you know? Yeah. Well, I will say it's weird that the movies and the TV show for the movie, I guess it wasn't that weird because it was very common in the 80s and stuff, but like they have different target audiences. Like I mentioned Ghostbusters, like the first Ghostbusters movie is not for kids. The cartoon very much is. Like that, that, was, that was a pretty common thing. Like not that the Back to the Future is for adults, but it's not made with like kids in mind, except I would say even the second movie, because I would say the second movie is probably more fun for kids because it's not playing on like 
1950s nostalgia. It's got a lot more momentum throughout the movie. I mean, like I said, it's a lot more interesting visually. Because um, even the alternate 1980s is kind of like, it's like post-apocalyptic, like neon in a way. And that's, and that's interesting. It's like the 80s ramped up, like with all the dark elements of it rather than like the it's bright- It's like 2020. Bright, yeah, it is. There are tanks in the street and anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I I uh, I love the cartoon. I think it was because I was like that age where like it just hit me like so well. I, I was so happy to see the DeLorean was back. Doc rebuilt it um, because I was so upset it got destroyed. Um, there was like an educational element to the cartoon um, where they were always trying to do a different science uh, lesson every every time. And it was the first appearance of Bill Nye. Um, he was like this lab intern that uh, they had Christopher Lloyd back as Doc. Uh, to intro each of the episodes, but then he didn't do the voice work for I believe Doc. It was Dan Castellaneta correct? Yeah. yeah. So the voice of Homer uh, Simpson, yeah. But so, we did you know, get. It's cool. Yeah. We did it get was, our was, Biff and Clara. Yeah. They're, yeah. Tom they're and Mary Steenberger did it too. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's cool. They came back. Um, so I, I just I thought there was like something. I, I think it depends on what age you were, but I I just remember like it was a Saturday morning cartoon, but then it went away. And then I had to get up at like six in the morning to like watch it, which was like a half an hour, an hour before I had to actually go to school. Like, so I had to get up extra early to watch the, just the back of the future cartoon. And then I'd go to school, um, <laughs> had to try to get these toys from McDonald's. I mean, like this is my original docs DeLorean. And like when I pulled this out of the happy meal, I was so excited because that's the one I, you know, it's it's the only sparks, one I sparks, I never it sparks got. out of the back. It's so, so great. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cause um, I only, I only ever got the time train. Not that I didn't play with it as a kid, but like, I always, it's the, the DeLorean's the vehicle you want. Um, yeah. There yeah. was a Harvey uh, comic series, uh, the, the, the Harvey who did like Casper and like all those, they did one based on the, really? uh, the animated series. I have one issue of it. I think they did like six issues in total. It was, um, it was a very low number. I remember. Yeah. Uh, but oh. it was it was it was one of those things where it's like as a kid just anything I could see like every flea market my parents brought me to is like is there something back to the future here every car show my dad dragged me to it's like is there a DeLorean please let there be a DeLorean <laughs> uh, so oh. and usually there was not but now nowadays you see them you know every comic-con everywhere yeah, it's because everyone that grew up with it that loved it like us got to a certain age where you get nostalgic and you have disposable income that's where that 80s like resurgence, uh, I think it started when Kendall and I were in high school is when I started remember seeing it. Is that's when all of a sudden like G1 Transformers tees would be made in like adult sizes and stuff. Even though there wasn't a cartoon to go with it, you know, like it didn't come back. And that's when I remember I started seeing, cause that's when I started seeing like Ghostbusters and classic Ninja Turtle stuff. And I got really into it. Like it kind of re like you get, it plays on that nostalgia from when you're a kid as, as you're a young adult, um, which is fine. Um, anything that makes people discover these movies is is great now you both got to do something that i'm very jealous of that there's i it's physically impossible for me to to do you both got to go to universal studios and ride the ride when that was a thing i only went to as we discussed in our theme park episode i only finally went down there once in october of last year um and that was way after those on and i love the simpsons ride there so i can only imagine how much more i would have loved it as back to the future uh, can you guys tell us a little bit about uh, uh, Back to the Future, the ride, and your experiences there, if you don't mind? Yeah, um, I was 
pretty young. When, when I was young, I was uh, really into martial arts. And uh, I went to a tournament in California. And we decided to make like a big family vacation out of it. Uh, so I went to the like Hollywood Universal Studios and the line felt, it felt like I was waiting in line for hours. I, I was a kid, you know, like who knows how long it really was, but I just remember getting so pumped up for it. Um, I believe like while you were waiting in line, like they were showing like little clips of like, like Biff, Biff stole a time machine. And I remember being like, I remember taking that ride as like, whoa, this is part four of Back to the, this is what happens yeah. after the train flies away. And it's like, how did Biff steal a time machine? It was <laughs> crazy. Um, but then like you finally get in it and it's like, the ride itself is like a DeLorean shaped like car, like roller coaster. And you're sitting in there with like a bunch of people, like maybe like six or eight people fit in there. And yeah, it just, you're in front of a screen and it was, I was so into it. And yeah, it's great. You get eaten by a T-Rex. Um, <laughs> and like the story was you had to like, bump Biff and I I can still hear like Christopher Lloyd's voice saying bump him, bump Biff, get him like you know like he's like yelling at you and like Biff is like talking smack to you like mm -hmm. the whole time and it was so I remember being disappointed that Marty wasn't there um, as an adult I realized why it would be very hard for to get Michael J. Fox to come film something for your ride but uh yeah it was great and like so much fun and i was like so excited so into it yeah i for me it's like i have a chicken and the egg kind of situation there i don't know if like as a kid i experienced the ride before i watched any of the movies and fell in love with back to the future or if i watched the movies first and experienced you know the rides i I was, uh, you know, how you have the Disney kids and the Universal kids. Well, like the Back to the Future ride is like the reason why I was a Universal kid then. And like, I'm still a Universal kid now, even though they took the ride out. Um, I remember uh, being I know, I, too... Every time you visit Universal, you protest the ride. I do. I wear a shirt that says, bring back Back to the Future the ride. And usually like, as I walk around the park, they start playing like the Back to the Future theme song. So like, I'm like, oh, somebody's got me on camera. Um, <laughs> But uh, no, the ride, like like Kendall was saying, it's it's Doc has uh, it's like the unofficial Back to the Future Part Four. Doc has opened the Institute of Future Technology, which is like where this this logo comes from. And uh, he uh, throwing all of his prior prior um, objections about you know messing with the space time continuum yeah, right. <laughs> and all of that out the window. Um, he is uh, running these time experiments. And when they do one in 1955, Biff stows away in the DeLorean and ends up back at the Institute, just starts causing all this trouble. And like you said, Kendall, they show you videos of like Biff 
spray painting the institute inside. <laughs> you know, like he puts down like this thing of marbles and like ruins the security, like the security guards trip on him and they fall and like all this stuff. Amazing. <laughs> uh, and so he gets into a DeLorean. He, he uh, Christopher Lloyd and Tom Wilson re- reprise their roles and like he he takes a DeLorean. He's like, I don't have to go back to 1955 yet. I'm gonna take a joyride. And he like like rides off and then uh, Christopher Lloyd is locked in his own office, Doc. And so he's like, Well, you're my time travel volunteers that you've come to you know test this eight passenger delorean out why don't you go take a ride and um like kendall said the vehicles uh were really cool they were they were molded like little deloreans the doors would actually like come down like the delorean gullwing doors uh, around you um those those cars are still uh like that they still operate like that even though it's the simpsons ride so you'll see a little bit of like subtle hints of what used to be there um, if you look for it in the but, uh, story in the queue it's uh crusty bought the 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 institute from doc brown who's played by christopher lloyd in it but he's you know obviously in simpson form yeah um, and then they built the crusty land part because it's in crusty land in universal they build that over top of it <laughs> so there's, there's a bit of a reference to it um I, I, I don't know if it's like that and if it's like this in the Hollywood one, but at Orlando, they have a time train and a DeLorean not far from Springfield. So it's still, Back Future still there. But like, it's one of those things like, man, even as an adult, like it would immediately make me a kid again to get on that ride that looks like, a, it looks like a little DeLorean. Um, I will say that I think one of the DVDs or Blu-ray sets, they have the videos from that. So like the cube video and then the actual ride. You can watch it, but like not being there, getting stuff blown in your face, getting moved around and things, it's it's not the same. It was so good. I I mean I, I was a kid, but like I that was like that made my entire trip to California, basically. Um but yeah, in the in the California studio there was like a like a little tour that you got to go on and um, they had one of the DeLoreans at the park um, and they had like the clock tower like set so like I mean I wish I was like a little bit older to appreciate that more like Mm -hmm. That was the freaking clock tower. Like it's it's still there, Kendall. You can still tour it um, in in the uh, Universal backlot. It's used for a lot of like commercials and TV oh, shows yeah. now. They call it Courthouse Square. It's used so for a lot to, of things. Yeah, Hill you Valley. Have to see what time yeah. like if they're filming anything, they won't take you there. But so, uh, did you guys have, have you guys watched Gremlins recently? Because it is the exact same sets. It's just Hill Valley, but it's called something Falls. I forget what it's called in that. But I know, I know, that, I know. Yeah, I know the storefronts are set up so like they can sell like different uh, advertising so they can take out like the signs and things. I want to say it's also this, the, the climax of Monster Squad. It's in a lot of universal things. Once you start looking for it, you can, you can see the, the, the clock tower square in a lot of places. Yeah, it's a, little like the, a little like the Vasquez rocks, you know? And it's funny, uh, Universal, the backlot has had a lot of fires over the years. And everything around the courthouse has basically burned down at one point in time. But that courthouse is still there. It's been spared from like two or three major fires oh back there. Oh my God, there. we should probably not even um, bring it up or jinxing it. It's gonna get, <laughs> it's gonna get struck by lightning at 10.04. The only thing is they did put like a facade around the columns. So it, it doesn't have the columns uh, visible, but 
um, I, I took a tour there a few years ago, which is why like I, I'm so like happy about this. Uh, they, they let us off the tour uh, vehicle down onto Courthouse Square and you can go up the stairs and you open that fake facade and those columns are still there. So they, they kept the columns. Um, they put the, the, they had the roof off for a while, like that, that where the clock would go. Um, but they've, they've put that back. Um, so yeah, if you can get out to Universal Hollywood, definitely, definitely go check it out. It's still there. Yeah. yeah so I might have to make a return trip. <laughs> um, Kendall, have you, did you play the Back to the Future, the game, the Telltale, like Choose Your Adventure story? Um, I got, I played a bit of it, um, but I never completed it. Okay. Um, I, I beat it. Um, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it because it's more or less Back to the Future Part 4. Yeah, um, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I thought that it was, it, once you get over the fact that it's kind of like a point-and-click adventure more than any kind of like game that you can really, you know, do a variety of different things, um, the, the dialogue paths are really fun. It's really well written, I thought. Mm -hmm. And um, it's funny because they, they do have, um, they had like a, a second edition of it that came out later and Tom Wilson came back to do uh, the voice of Biff. Uh, Christopher Lloyd had uh, already done the voice work for Doc Brown. Um, Michael J. Jennifer, Fox makes a cameo. Yeah, um, so oh, wow. it's, yeah, it's really cool. Uh, I will say the guy that got to play Marty is like perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not distracting. It's super distracting in some other things because Michael J. Fox doesn't like. He, well, like you said, he he never put his likenesses, so Marty always looks weird in any Back to the Future merch, or like the pinball machines or any of that stuff. Like he always looks off, but like they they never get like a guy that sounds like him, and it's always like kind of off putting. Yeah, that I remember when. Did a great oh, job. Yeah. yeah, I remember when that game was coming out watching an interview with the guy that got to do the voice and he he was saying like yeah like all growing up people are like you know you sound a lot like marty mcfly and i guess he was just born to like play marty in this <laughs> i mean i'm sure he did other great things in his life but but that's as far as i'm concerned so the game's fun even though he plays marty like doc's really the main character you're kind of more about like his life you get to see him as a young man and then the things you do there create a, an alternate 1980s version of him um so you get to see like a little bit more about what he does i love that frankenstein was like a big influence on him to become a scientist one because I, and one i know they picked it because universal owns it um but two like i just love that movie and like it kind of makes a lot of thematic sense um well like, I, I don't know cool. I, I i there's a lot of stuff i enjoy in it but i will say yeah the gameplay is it's an old telltale point and click adventure game so Depending on what you know about those, your mileage may vary. But it's I would for the story. It's yeah, I would say cool I definitely watch like a let's play of it or something if that's not your thing. I'm sure somebody on YouTube has cut it together so you can just watch it as a movie. Did Claudia Wells also come back for that game? She might have because Jennifer does play a role in the. Yeah, she was the 1980s. original. She was the original Jennifer, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, she did. She did come back for. Her. I'm just bad with names. So I don't remember her name, but she does. She does reprise her role as Jennifer, which she didn't even do for the other movies. Yeah, that yeah, I think it was fun. I, I, um, yeah, I, I, it was. It came out in installments. Like when it first came out, it was only available for the PC, and like so, you bought it one chapter at a time. 
And I just remember the wait between chapters was like excruciating. Like, it's like, <laughs> I need to know what happens next. Yeah, I hate that release schedule for, for games. But the, for the Telltale ones, I just wait till they're done. Then I buy the whole thing. And then I yeah. just play it at my own pace. IDW um, also did a comics uh, adaptation. Of oh, that's right. I forgot that they did that. Yes. Too. So if, you, if you're not a gamer and you want to still get the story, it's out there in comics form. And you can give everyone their real voices in your head. <laughs> but yeah, well, speaking of games, so Back to the Future's got some notoriously terrible, oh. terrible video games. Oh, um, LGM. Yeah, we don't have to talk about the NES ones. I will say the Super Famicom version of Back to the Future 2 is kind of awesome. But of course, we never got it. Um, I wonder why... I mean, you've yeah, all that played... seems like such a weird choice. Yeah, you've all played that, right? I've not. You've not? Oh, it's good. Um, oh, it's it's really good. But yeah, I, I'm. I can't imagine it's a licensing thing. Like, I I don't know why we never got it. Maybe it was like too late in Super Nintendo's life, and publishers were like, "Well, you know, why publish this for that now?" I I don't know why Japan got it and we didn't. I mean, the, I say the art style and the, the presentation of it is very like. Cutie, cutie Japanese like anime, but I, I don't think people would have cared about that here. Yeah, I mean, did you see that NES one? It looks so gross. Yeah. I, oh, <laughs> it's awful. I did a I did a, like a Let's Play before Let's Plays were like a thing of the NES version, but I had to play that game so much to try to finish it all the way through. It's so hard. I will and, say, like, there's all this stuff that has nothing to do with the movies in it. It's I, I will say the the first NES game I don't think is as bad as its reputation holds. Part two and three suck. <laughs> Dude, that first NES game sucks a lot. He throws bowling it, balls I'm not at hula hoopers. It, I'm not saying it's great, but remember like what a lot of other movie games were like at the time, and I don't think it's I don't think it's got no fun in it. I th- it, especially compared to two and three, like oh my god, I never played two and three. They are unplayable. <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember two. It starts with like that. Isn't it like the alternate 1980s? No, there's, there's, right no, away? there's no story. It's just you got to go to different time periods, find an item, unscramble its name, take it to the right time period. But like, there'll be things like milkshake, and it's like, well, where does that go? Like, they're not specific to times. And you do, you have to do like 30 items. And then part three is the same thing, oh. except you have a cowboy hat. Oh, God, they suck. At least the first one's got, like, some arcadey fun to it. Um, okay, I, I see that. Do, do you know I still I mean? ne- have no desire to ever oh, play Oh, no, that. I'll never it's play so it again. Bad. But, like, <laughs> it's not a good game. It's not a good game. LGN has done way worse games. But, like, I, I, I want to just defend it a little bit. That the... I, as, someone, as someone who loves the NES and also loves Back to the Future, I don't think it's that bad. I think the Ghostbusters game is worse because that's more boring. And when you can finally do something different, it's like impossibly, like annoyingly difficult. The frustrating stories. thing is there are actually good parts of the LJN first game if you slog through the actual levels and get to like the boss levels. Yeah, like there's yeah. yeah, there's like a mini game in the cafe where you're trying to like get all the bullies out. There's yeah. a, a part of about the enchantment under the sea dance where you're yeah, trying with the to guitar. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, cool. there's, that's what I'm saying. There's stuff in it that's not terrible. It's just a slog. To get yeah, it's, it's it's. There are so many games more worth your time. The only Back to Future game you need is Back to Future the game. But there's some interesting board and card games, mm-hmm. and by some I mean there's a ton. Um, and I know we've played a couple of them. Harry and I just played the the Funko one that just came out. It's not not the Funko verse, not the Pop one, 
but they had a, I think it's just called Back to the Future, right, Harry? Back in Time. Back in Time, that's what it's called. Which was, so it's a game where you have to, it's, you're, it takes place in 1955, and you have to get the, the DeLorean ready to go and in the right place at the right time to go back and to go back to the future. And you have to get um, George and Lorraine together and avoid Biff. And then like, as the game goes though, there's uh, a million ways to lose. And there's only one way to win. It's one of those cooperative games. And oh my God, it was the most, in- it was just the two of us playing it. And it was like the most intense thing I've played in forever. All we were missing was the soundtrack in the background. Oh my it was God. just like so <laughs> tense. Everything was building up and building up. So like each crazy. turn, like at the beginning of each turn, a little tracker moves forward and like either Biff or the other characters move around or like some sort of catastrophic event happens on the board. It's like we finally got the whole game. We're like not getting the, we're not getting our love meter up. So our, our picture is fading. That's like one of the ways you can lose if that's faded. Our love um, meter. You know what I, but you know what I mean? Whatever it was called, it's like a little heart thing and you move it around. Um, and then we had a really good role where we got him finally like into like the love buffer zones. Like even if, you know, uh, a Biff got to them, like, you know, we could take care of them. But then at the very end of the game, we got them where they need to be. We got the DeLorean where it needs to be. And then with the last big catastrophic thing that happened, cause it's like a deck you pull from and they're not all related to the movie, but the one we got is the thing coming unplugged and Harry and Harry is playing as Doc Brown. He's like, Oh my God, I got to go get it. We have to solve it on this. Turn. <laughs> It was so great. And it was like, listen, if we fail this role, we lost. We lost our one chance to go back to the future. And it was so cool. But there's a part where there's a mechanic where you you get it. Yeah, we got it. We won. Um, Perfect. There's a mechanic too, where you can like stun Biff and like knock him out. So occasionally like, because I was Marty and he was Doc. So occasionally like, we'd be like, we got to stop Biff. Because whenever he shows up, he like makes them fall less in love. And like, is causes lots of trouble um so <laughs> there's some so part of the game is like doc just running up and just pummeling him to death and just i rolled all these fists so i was like yeah. all right i guess doc brown's gotta take matters into his own hands <laughs> so it's just all these times where like all of a sudden like we just beat him to beat him <laughs> um but oh, it was it's a lot of fun i highly recommend it i would love to play it four players uh mm. the other the other two players are jennifer and einstein um, and everyone's got like their own unique moves and stuff, but it's kind of like a deck building game as you, as you play the game, you get different powers, which lets you roll dice differently. Um, it's a lot of fun. I highly recommend it. Um, we also, there's a, the card game. Did you play this with us, Kendall, where it's like you play as descendants of the different characters. Like one person's like a Strickland, but like there's a time oh. that we have to flip the cards Yeah. and you need your, your character, like it's secret from everyone else, like what they need their timeline to be. So they will be born. So basically you have to create the proper timeline and the more farther in the past you change things, it changes other things. So you need to get it right. And then you need doc to invent uh, time travel and it like locks the board and then locks the time. yeah, it locks the timeline. And then that's how you win. Um, it's oh, interesting. But there's all these like false cards on top yeah. of it. So you never know when the game's actually going to end because you can yeah. flip it and it's like, Oh no, just kidding. Like you didn't win. You yeah. Take that card it's, out. It says he successfully hangs a clock. Yeah. Um, um and like, but but it follows the movie timeline. So like, there's the almanac. So like, if you get the almanac, it flips like this all of 1985 over to the Biff 1985. Oh, and so like, shoot. that works for Biff's de- descendants, but it might not work for Doc's descendants. <laughs> so you can have like people fighting over flipping the, the almanac. Uh, it, it gets it gets really over. intense. I will say, because of the multiverse timeline stuff in it, it's a little much to wrap your head around initially. 
I remember the first time we played it. It's like we it took us a couple turns to be like, I don't, I don't, I don't get how this plays. Reminds me a little bit of Flux, but not really. It's not really like Flux at all. It's just that you have cards that you keep changing. It's by Looney Labs, so I think yes, they it is the Flux people. But a game called Chrononauts too. That's yeah. kind of similar. Um, and then what was the dice game you and I played, Harry? So this was Back to the Future Roll Through Time, which just came out. It's by Ravensburger. Um, they do a lot of board games. Um, and that one was more uh, more based around dice rolling and trying to use the symbols that you roll on the die to resolve uh, issues and events in the timeline. And then you have to return items back to their proper place in the timeline. Um, and then there's like Biff movers that will interfere with your movement. And also um, you play different versions of Marty and Doc from different timelines, uh, depending on which player number you are. And if you interact with each other, it's, creates paradox and so like you advance your tracker uh closer towards losing so you have to navigate the timelines without running into each other so i mean that's kind of a cool it's uh, game too i i just i enjoyed the funko back in time one a little bit more but they're both great games better than the idw back to the future game that came out like five or so years ago so i don't think i ever got around to playing that one yeah, I, I played it once with somebody, and then, like the rules were just so complicated. I mean, you have game designers that are trying oh, to get time travel. I think we did try to play it, and we couldn't figure it out, and we stopped. Yeah, it's hard to do time travel in board games, and you know, it's just uh, that one just a little bit too complex. That's why I think with the 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 Funko one, it just being in 1985 and just doing just trying to just trying to recreate the wind conditions of that movie. I think uh, is, is, was smart because um, it, le it lets you have more of a, a concrete goal. And there's like little events and stuff you can resolve around the board too um, that, that, you know, will come up and then that, that makes things easier for you to do as well in the future of, the, of that, of your playthrough. But it really works well for like, a co like I, think more, I think more often than not, the cooperative element for Back to the Future works more than the competitive one, like with the alternate timelines and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, going back to the video games really quick, um, Scott, if you ever do want to experience the Back to the Future ride in a different way, uh, oh, back in the day... I think uh, I know what you're going to bring up. <laughs> there was a game for the GameCube that came yeah. out. It might have been released for PlayStation 2 called Universal Studios Adventure, <laughs> where oh, yeah. Woody Woodpecker went around these different Universal uh, rides and games, and Back to the Future is one of the mini-games of uh, Universal and you, you you walk around like Universal Park and you see like the, the, the different rides and uh, a lot of times there's lines out in front of the rides and so you can't get to the ride so you have to go and buy uh, a piece of merchandise from the franchise you're trying to go get. Uh, I, know that's another I know that's another notoriously bad game. Um, it's pretty bad but know, there's a Back you, to the Future ride in it. Did you know about the remake for it? Oh no. So to launch Universal Japan? They remade that game, but it's Universal Japan you're in. But you can actually walk around. It's free roaming. There's a camera and stuff. The games are different. Um, it's wow. like actually a decent game. But it's only are you like still Woody Woodpecker? You're not Woody Woodpecker, but like your kid that like Woody Woodpecker is kind of like your guy that you kind of go through to do things. Because they kind of made him like the Universal mascot. But like it's only on Japanese PlayStation 2. Wow. I, I, yeah. I just, my, my fondest memory besides the Back to the Future part of that game was you travel around picking up trash and that's how you made money yeah it's a ridiculous <laughs> game that said i have been playing the disneyland connect adventures game they put it on steam which is really awkward because you have to use like they try to translate motion controls and stuff to keyboards and things 
But it's just I kind of wanted to go to Disney World so, or Disneyland, so I was like, I kind of wanted to walk around a virtual one. It's all you can do now because you know the nightmare hellscape we live in now. I mean, they're open. You can. Yeah, go. they are. I don't want to go. go. My my brother tested positive for COVID, so I don't. And I'm I've tested negative. In case you see me at the store after watching this, you got the antibodies? No, not yet. So, so one of the fun things, there is still a walk around Doc Brown character in Universal, uh, both parks. And he is now just walking around telling people, Marty told me not to set the time circuits for 2020. Oh, is he saying Because <laughs> when I first went to Universal last year, one of the very first things I bumped into was him walking around like the Hollywood shops area. Because mm -hmm. I, I when I first got there, I was like, well, I'm going to Springfield. So that was the shortest route to there. Um, and I... I I think I texted you like immediately. Like, oh my god, I just met Doc Brown because you're a big Universal guy. And it was my first time being there, and you were excited for me to experience. Oh yeah, um, and it was also Back to Future. So I was like, oh, I gotta tell Harry because I know you have that. You have a cosplay for regular Doc and for 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 Universal theme park Doc. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah, man, I I, I want to go back to theme parks. I really want to go to Islands of Adventure. I didn't get to do that. I want to ride Spider Man. Um, I. I just love, like, the Back to the Future ride wouldn't have existed if Steven Spielberg and George Lucas didn't get into, like, a, a pissing match over yeah, who could Star do a better Tours. ride. Yeah, because yeah, Lucas had Star Tours, and he put Spielberg on it, and uh, he turns to Spielberg at the end, and he's like, oh, Universal could never build anything like that. Yeah, he, could only, he said something like, you can only do this at Disney or something. Yeah. And then he, so came, and then he, then he joined up with Universal, and then they made, like, E.T. and Back to yep. the Future. I, I don't know if anything else Spielberg had a direct hand in. I'm not sure if Jaws, if he uh, he was part of the the design team for that because it was his movie. Yeah, but uh, I know it was like so notoriously broken, like it got redesigned so many times. So I don't know how much of like whatever influence he had like continued throughout it. It's perfect. Well, that's the other thing. Back to the Future saved Universal, at least in Florida, because nothing worked for like the first year, first year and a half. Uh, Jaws was down. They had to redesign it. King Kong never worked right, and those were their two big uh, main attractions. And Back to the Future opened. I think it was 90, maybe 91. Uh, and, and it revitalized that park. Uh, it brought people back in. It worked. It was reliable. The lines were a little long, like Kendall said. But uh, it, it definitely helped get them back into the black and uh, helped save that park. Yeah, man. Can't always bet on Back to the Future. I would say if I had a, if I had a time machine that was my car, I would probably go back to the mid-90s and go to Classic Universal because I, I didn't get to ride... I got to write E.T. because that's the only thing that still exists. I, I would have loved, I always wanted to do King Kong. I always wanted to do Back to the Future. I always wanted to do Jaws. Because these are some of our Jurassic Park. Now it's Jurassic World. So it's like, whatever. But like, these are some of my favorite movies ever. And like, the rides looked really cool. Um, but I'm not a really big ride person. Like, I'm really scared of riding the Jurassic World one. Because I know there's a big drop at the end of it. Like, like, when I went and did Pirates of the Caribbean last year, I didn't know there was a drop in the dark. And it's only probably like two feet. But like, I freaked out when it happened. Um, so I don't know if Kendall you remember but like senior skip day we went to Six Flags Great Adventure and I wrote nothing yeah you yeah. wouldn't get on any ride whatever yeah um, I had no, fun I, mean, I don't care we got it, to not be cool it's something that I keep wishing that Universal like Disney has this fandom that's so nostalgic for like oh I love the Haunted Mansion my grandparents rode that ride my parents rode it I rode it and like Universal just doesn't have the real estate to do that and it's it's a shame because like they got rid of Back to the Future in 2006 in Florida and like 
the resurgence of popularity for the franchise from maybe 2010 through 2015, it, it just, it was a really big hit and it still is. And I think they, you know, they pulled out Jaws, they pulled out King Kong and like, there's amazing things that they put in its place, but the nostalgia for those rides and, and they don't make rides like that anymore either, where there's a yeah. lot of like physical effects versus just screens which is funny because Back to the Future is pretty much watching the screen. But, yeah. um, but, but they just don't make rides like that anymore. And, um, you know, it would be nice to see if they had the real estate or if they could open like a third or fourth park. They're working on a third. But if they could open a retro Universal Park, that would be, um, cool. that would be awesome. Yeah. Because like you said, Scott, disposable yeah. income. All of the people who grew up with that stuff and loved it are all at the age where they would drag their families through it i'm sure if only they could have had an idea there might have been a year people would have been reinterested in back to the future but i guess there was no way you could have known <laughs> well see the, the hard part would be like in the ride you travel to 2015 and then you leave the ride in 2020 and like there are no <laughs> <Yeah>. cars and <laughs> i mean that's part of they could have made a, a joke about that uh at, in like the 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 like a video like on an outro for it um but yeah so What's some of your guys' favorite Back to the Future merch we've had? I mean, I'm sure there's been a million DeLorean cars in our lives. Because I remember when I was a kid, I used to make model kits of, of vehicles. And the ones I would, I made like four or five Ecto-1s um, because I love that car. But I know I did a DeLorean. I know I did a 60s Batmobile. Um, and they were a lot of fun to, to make and play. Um, but obviously, you know, I've got the Back to the Future 2 hat. Um, you know the reflective one i really like that i'm a big fan of when uh, tv shows and movies and just kind of like or comics or whatever they can make merch that actually exists in that world that's my favorite thing in the world that's my favorite kind of merch to buy that's why i wanted to get the hat so that's cool they got the pepsi the you know pepsi perfect and stuff yeah it's cool in 2015 they also redid the usa today yeah i have that uh oh uh, yeah there it is yeah. yeah i have one uh upstairs in my little uh, library. Mm -hmm. So good. Man, now that, was um, a, that was a fun time to be back to Future Fan 2015. Oh, yeah. Did you guys have an easy time finding that? Uh, I think I had to go to a place like as it opened. Like, I, because I, I remember I got like two or three because I think people were looking for them uh, yeah. that day. But uh, I'm but sure no, people it, gave them to you. Yeah. Gone quickly. I wish I would have. So, I mean, I ended up getting one, which was fine. Um, but yeah, I like woke up early. I had work that day, but I was like, let me go find this USA Today. I was going all over. I was like, I cannot find this thing. Um, so like I sent like a like text to a bunch of people. I was like, hey, if anyone in their travels today, um, like comes across this, please get me it. And uh, a friend of mine just so happened to be uh, getting on an airplane <gasps> wow. and the airport still <laughs> had these things. So they got me it. And I think, cause I was like, I mean, I'm such a nerd, but I was like yeah. getting a little sick to my stomach. I was like, yeah. But it's such a big part of your childhood too, you know. It, it, oh, yeah. I, I said it at the time, you know, the future only comes once. Like so I remember we did we did a lot of stuff in the store for it. Uh you know, we obviously we had that big uh 
uh, uh, screening in the mall for free. And we had like hoverboards and all kinds of fun stuff to give away. It was a lot of fun. Um, we had a DeLorean at the mall. Um, e yeah, even like seeing DeLoreans that aren't turned into time machines. I'm like, oh, yeah. So, Harry, I know you're super critical of every DeLorean you see because uh, <laughs> you know all the small details that should be there. I've seen you at cons with that, that have them. The Universal one just broke my heart because, like, this is, like, the flagship car that, you know, they, they, the, the one in Florida was uh, used in, like, the third movie, like, the, the shell of it for something. And, like, they just threw a bunch of crap on it, and it wasn't screen accurate. And um, a group of restorers took the one from Hollywood that, that Kendall was talking about, and it was just sitting outside. It had been exposed. Uh, people had, like, broken onto the uh, back lot and, like, ripped things off of it. It was in really bad shape. And uh, they actually uh, teamed up with Universal to restore it, and and it looks beautiful. It's in an, it's now it's in an automotive museum, which is kind of funny. You can hear like Indiana Jones, like it belongs in a museum. Yeah. Um, but uh, but no, it drives me crazy because people spend so much money uh, adapting their cars into uh, time machines, and DeLoreans in themselves are already a rare uh, automobile, you know, collectible. And so there's like a lot of grumblings in that community of people that are, and it's the same for um, the Ecto One. A lot of people are upset when they take those old uh, Cadillacs and they convert those. Um, but you know, you spend all that money and you do the conversion, and then like the flux capacitor is like two feet higher than it should be, and like it's sticking out of the back. It just drives me crazy. Yeah. I've seen you criticize many a DeLorean in our day, um, <laughs> which is always fun because I'm like, oh, I can't tell the difference. This is cool. <laughs> like, oh, the doors go up. That's not there's what a guy doors, that's not what that has do. one. There's a guy that has one in New York City. Uh, he pulls it out in Times Square and it shows up on like all the social media all the time. And it's 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 so sad. Like he glued like cell phones to the back, and it's like, what are you doing? No. <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna do it, you might as well do it right, right? Yeah. Right. I mean. Well, I mean, I don't have a DeLorean. Yeah, we'll say, we'll say well, none of us have the, the budget or the time. Yeah. Also, I know DeLoreans are kind of notoriously difficult to keep running to begin with. So it's kind Which of like... Which is very accurate. Yeah, the for movie. the movie. I was thinking about that while watching. I was like, man, I wonder if these things like were this unreliable back then too. Well, it's funny too, because like, that's one of the reasons why a remake would be really tough because what car company would allow their car to look unreliable? you know, in the movie, like how, how would that happen? Well, I'm glad you brought up the idea of remake because I have kind of a weird opinion. I'm not saying I want back to the future remade, but like, I like the idea of a new kind of back to the future thing, like time travel movie. Not that I need, I don't want doc. I don't want Marty. I don't want anyone recasting those moles, but like, cause the first movie is like this weird nostalgic send up to the fifties. I thought it would have been cool. Like 30 years later, which would have been five years ago. Um, if they did one, where it was kind of like this this fun setup for the, the for the eighties, but like because I would want so many things to not be specifically remade. Like I don't want it to be a McFly. I, I, I basically it's not even Back to the Future, but I just kind of want like a time travel movie with that fun tone. Because you could, as I know I've mentioned it to Harry, where it's like you can even do the same kind of the Ronald Reagan joke. I mean, well, he's he's you know he's president in twenty twenty. Donald Trump, the real estate guy, that's not what I originally said, but, uh, you know, like that, I think there's, you could do some fun send-ups for both present day and the 80s, like even just with cell phone technology. Um, I, I think that could be fun, but at that point, like it's not even back to the future because I wouldn't want Marty, I wouldn't want Doc, I wouldn't want Biff. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't want the same story where like my parents, I got to get them together or whatever. 
Like, so at that point, it's not even Back to the Future, so you might as well not even bother. But, like, I, I kind of want a new movie with the same kind of, like, style and tone as Back to the Future, if that makes any sense. I would I If in 2015, Back to the Future 4 had dropped, I think I would have been pretty stoked. And I feel like under those circumstances would have been the only time I would have been okay with yeah. a new Back to the Future thing. Well, um, so this isn't Back to the Future specific, uh, Kendall, but I know you're a fan of Bill and Ted, right? Yes. Did I've not watch? seen the third one. I have not seen the new one yet. I know, Harry, you've never seen them. Never. Um, oh, they're good. They're a lot of fun. They're not as good as Back to the Future, but they're not trying to be. <laughs> they're very silly and kind of dumb but they like revel in it and it's re- they're really just fun but the first movie's time travel the second movie is about the afterlife i kind of wish the third movie was more about like alternate dimensions they kind of went back to the well for like they doing time travel and stuff again um but like it, it it's that's a see, that's a series where i don't mind them coming back as like old people and just being the same characters because it's not really about like like Bill and Ted are kind of like not even really characters. They're just kind of like the same person and they just don't grow or change. And that's fine. Mm. They're like Goku like that. It <laughs> makes sense, you know, Keanu Reeves. Um, but it's, it's interesting that that's kind of even got a resurgence because I know it doesn't have anywhere near the following Back to the Future does. I think uh, if Keanu didn't become such a big actor, it probably wouldn't be as popular as it was now, but... Bill and Ted, a lot of that appeal also came from the uh, the cartoon, for me anyway, which I'm pretty sure was the same, if not the same studio, a lot of the same people ended up working on the Back to the Future cartoon. Mm. Yeah. I, I like the phone booth. I thought the phone booth always looked cool. Yeah, time-traveling phone booth. What an original idea. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I always liked Bill and Ted. Um, I kind of really want... In the new movie coming out, I kind of want to rewatch him and then watch the new movie. Not to, to compare him, but like it's been so long since I've seen him. I remember really liking him, um, but like they didn't stick with me the way Back to the Future did. And like I, I think I don't think that's in a story that's completely unique to me. I think because when people usually think time travel, a time travel story, they always compare it to Back to the Future. Like I, I know at least I do. I don't know about you two. I, I assume yeah. you do as well. Back to the Future just has a lot more heart than yeah. Bill and the Bill and Ted movies. Like mm-hmm. Doc and Marty, their strange relationship, like it's just it's perfect. I mean, like like even in the first movie, there's a a scene towards the end, um, where it's just like like maybe the most emotional scene in the in the film uh, where Doc and Marty are about to go their separate ways and they're hugging and like Doc's like, I'll see you in 30 years and Marty's like, I hope so. Yeah, look me up. Because I'll be like, he knows he's yeah. going back to like a future where Doc is dead. Mm-hmm. But then like Doc just like so, like, not only do you get that, like, emotional response, but then Doc, like, immediately goes to, like, reassure him. And just, like, I don't know why, but that, like, hits me so hard, that part. 
which is funny because like in the movie they don't have like an origin story and it's kind of a creepy relationship where it's like this old shut-in crazy guy has an, a relation has like an like a strong relationship with a 17 year old kid presumably for years so like for like i don't think you could make a movie like that now i think they would have to be like show the scene where like he hires like an intern and it's marty yeah. I know well, that's something. The comic go into that. They go into that yeah. in the comic. Yeah. Um, uh, would they? They show their. I think that's the first story. They show their like origin story more or less. Wasn't another there, one of those like long fan questions uh, that they felt like they wanted to address. But like in the first beginning of the movie. All right. So here's a question I had for you guys in watching. I wanted to make sure I remembered it to bring it up. What the heck did Marty think was gonna happen when he strummed that guitar? A and rock like, and roll. Like he turned everything was, up, he turned everything up to max, and it's a giant wall-sized amp. There was a doc- slight possibility of overload. Doc- even if that, <laughs> even if Doc didn't tell him that, like, what did he think was going to happen? He was going to blow out his own eardrums at the least. Scott, it's the 1980s. He wanted yeah. to be as loud as possible. He was too darn loud. I played in some bands, and you <laughs> always turn. I mean. Depending on the music you're playing, you're all, I turn everything up. Yeah. I, uh, I always ask, you know, when they uh, do the first time travel experiment with Einstein in the parking lot and uh, Doc is standing there and, he, and Marty's standing there, he's got the camera, Doc's revving up the DeLorean pointed straight at them yeah. and Marty, you know, he releases the brake, it starts barreling towards them, Marty like tries to get out yeah, of the way and Doc there. just like <laughs> stares at the ground like, where are you going? <laughs> it takes off, it, it, it fires, everything works fine, but if it didn't work, they would have been roadkill. yeah. And when when Marty shows Doc of the 50s, the time machine, he's like, it works, I finally invent something that works. And I'm like, oh my God, poor Marty. <laughs> how many failed <laughs> projects does Doc have? <laughs> he should have tried harder to get away. Right? Like, how many failed projects has Marty, like, witnessed? Well, you said finally invented something that works 30 years ago. Presumably. Yeah, maybe in that 30-year period. (laughs) Let's hope. Um, I will say about that, so clearly he wants Marty there to to document it for scientific, uh, you know, for for the scientific field and so he can show it off to people. But Marty's constantly not recording things and putting the camera down because Doc's not telling him what to expect. And I'm like, Doc really should have just got a tripod or a big pile of stuff to put it on. Like, I, I think that might have served him better, but obviously his head's in the clouds and he's more of like that absent-minded uh, inventor type of guy. But like, that was driving me crazy. I'm like, I'm like, Marty, film this. Like, stop asking me questions. <clears throat> I remember watching the film in high school and realizing that the camera was in the opening scene of the movie, like in, in Doc's like, lab or whatever. Mm-hmm. And just like being blown away because like, it's like, oh shit, he like, no. oh, sorry. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, but he's just like, oh, he, he calls him up and he's like, hey, forgot my video camera. The, the the skateboard running into the plutonium case like under the yeah. bed is like oh my god it's like setting it up and you don't that, know what that means future, well that's that's like that Chekhov's gun yeah well yeah. that's the, everywhere that's Back to the Future's biggest strength is it's very precise and very mannered it is the the setup payoff movie there's so many little things that are set up in it 
and they all get paid off very naturally. Like that's a great scene of like exposition. So the camera's moving around. There's like a Rube Goldberg's machine of for Einstein getting uh, getting fed and like breakfast and stuff. But like you can see, like there's been tons of dog foods piled up. The toast has been super burned. Like it's just been running on autopilot, and no one's been there for a while. The TV comes on as part of the thing, and it's a newscast talking about the plutonium and plutonium. stuff. You find the out radio? that it's there. Or, or is it the radio, or is it right before the newscast, like where they're it's an advertisement for the truck that Marty it's gets. The radio, yeah. 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 And the I clocks, didn't even notice that. One, one of Doc's clocks is an illustration of the guy hanging off oh, of yeah, the uh, 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 Christopher, Not Christopher Lloyd. That's Christopher Harold. Harold Lloyd, which they yeah. obviously homage in this. Are they related? Distantly, I think. I, th- I think I remember hearing that. Um, like great uncle or something like something that. Something like that. But like they obviously but, homage that. He's hanging off the, the clock tower at the end of the movie. It's brilliant. Um, yeah, that's so no, good. I mean, it's got clocks in it, so time's a thing. Here's something on rewatches that kind of bothers me. So uh, Marty goes back to the future and he saves the day, and he goes, or, you know, he goes and sees uh, Doc get uh, gunned down, and he's like, "Oh no!" And he sees you know, the other Marty goes back in time to the fifties, and the Libyans continue on. We see what happens to them, and they crash into a photo booth. But like, there's no explosions, and there's no reason to believe that they would be dead. And they have this heartfelt <laughs> scene in the parking lot. I'm like. Why aren't they just coming and murdering them? Like, are we just assume that they just like gave up when they hit knockdown? The yeah. Wait, there wasn't an explosion. There's not an explosion. Like they catch on fire. The car catches on fire. But it doesn't like explode. Like you. Yeah. Would like more like oh yeah they clearly are dead. Uh, it's just like a really horrible crash. Like you could get out of. Uh like they might be concussed or something. Is that in one of the comics? Like the police show up and catch them? <laughs> no, it never. The, the Libyans never get addressed again. <laughs> yeah. uh, I guess um, they needed to do something. They couldn't just drive away. I mean, I guess they could I, have. Whatever. I liked. Um, you know, everybody uh, points out that if the car, because when Marty goes back, uh, makes it back to 1985, he expect he, he set the clock like 10 minutes early to warn Doc, and as soon as he gets back, the car uh, stops. It stalls out. And it won't go. And mm-hmm. so Marty has to get out and huff it on foot to get to where Doc is. And by the time he gets over there, he then sees himself going back in time. But had the car worked as intended, he would have been there super early and run into his other self. And so like a lot of people were saying like the car stalled out because it need, the timeline needed to correct itself, like needed that to happen oh, in I order for Marty not to get there too early. It keeps stalling out. <laughs> So it's kind of like that car is a character kind of thing again. I no, the, like car, the car really is I a like character. That a lot. The car really is a character in this series. Like it, it is essentially the third member of their crew, um, especially in the second movie because they use it a lot more since it can fly and like, it's it's much more ambulatory. But like it being a car, let's talk about what a genius move that is. Because I'm sure you guys read the the thing where they were like the original plan was like wasn't it a refrigerator or something? Yeah. yeah. They're like, oh, yeah. should, it'd probably be better if we made it something mobile. And then they kind of do the thing of like, well, if it's a car, you might as well do something with some style. So like the, the, the DeLorean's got a weird sci-fi look to it. The Wingull doors. I don't think, I don't think it's the first thing that had that, but like, it's still very uncommon. Right. Um, right. So no, like, and it, it's that great payoff for the barn scene in Peabody's farm where, yeah. you know, the door opens up and they instantly think it's Martians and it matches the, the cover of the, uh, yeah. the comic book. Like, well, it explains it, like it's why he's brilliant. got the radiation suit on and stuff. Like <laughs> it's mutated in a human form. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> it's so. 
I love old man Peabody. <laughs> <laughs> and again, so I mean, Marty running over the pine on the way out changes the whole structure of the mall. The mall is now the Lone Pine Mall instead of the Twin Pine Mall. But it's, it's like, one of those things that, like, it, it's set up that if you're not paying attention, it doesn't matter. But if you notice it, it's really cool. It's like, you know, old man Peabody owned all of this. He had this crazy notion about breeding pine trees. But, like, it's one of those things, like, you might even notice it's called the Twin Pines Mall from the get-go. I don't think I did. I'm whatever. Like, no. it just was the mall. I remember as a kid, I thought it was cool because there's a JCPenney is when they take place in front of all that stuff. And then our mall has a JC, or had a JCPenney. <laughs> and I remember thinking that was really cool. I was like, oh, was that our mall that they were at? Because I didn't realize it was in California as a kid. Um, so for, for the 2015, we got to, like, shoot some promo stuff for it. And, like, yeah. that was so much fun. I mean, it, getting to be Doc Brown in a DeLorean, you know, time machine. And just, it was just, it was a blast. Oh, that was and, like, a lot being of in the mall. Uh, uh, yeah, no, we, we, we went a little crazy in 2015, which, you know, can you blame us? Uh, like I said, it was the future. That was really one of those things where I'm glad that, like, love for the franchise hasn't really diminished um, that wasn't in, just in the five years. Yeah. I was I was just worried that like 2015 was always this thing in the future, like in the in the distance. And you know, once we passed it, like, would people like not like Back to the Future as much? Like, put it down, and it's kind of like it's done now. But like, I don't know. There's still a lot of love for the franchise. I think that future date is like Back to the Future Day every year, and oh, yeah. you know, now we're at the 35th anniversary, and people, it's still going strong. Well, I would say, I mean, the the movie is just a great movie. Like, regardless of of nostalgia being attached to it. Uh, it's it's extremely well edited. The music's fantastic. The acting's great. The characters are super likable. It's legitimately funny. Like, funnier than I think I could have made a movie with this premise. Um, and, like, it's still endlessly referenced in things. Like, I know it was, like, in back or in The Last Reason of Stranger Things, but have you guys watched the show Glow? Mm-hmm. Which, it takes place in the 80s, and, like, the... So it's about the... It's a fictionalized version of the... The wrestling program, the female wrestling program, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, uh, Glow, which was a real thing. But like it's but they're fictionalized characters based on it. Um, but like their director, like is it's trying to get this movie uh, uh, made. He like does like these crazy like independent like psychological coming of age stories about this kid who like falls in love with this goes back in time and falls in love with his mom. But they, they say it in such a way you don't really put together that it's back to the future. And then halfway through the first season Someone's like, oh, yeah, I just saw that movie. I loved it. And then he finds out it's Back to the Future and it's just crushed. Oh. And it's like the biggest movie of all time. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's great. It's so funny. And it's just really funny because it's supposed to be like this dark, weird, twisted psychological thing. Like it, like this like Oedipal thing. Like the kid was kind of into it. But it's like, oh, yeah, this just kid just went back in time and like had uh, made out with his mom for a minute. And I'm like, oh. Well, like, but you know what I mean? Like, that's not even like a plot point really in the show. It's just like an example of like, it's always being referenced in things like mm-hmm. roads where we're going. We don't need roads. Like that gets parodied all the time. Oh. Avengers Endgame referenced it. Every yeah. time, like any kind of time travel issues come up, like it's said, like, is this like Back to the Future? It, it, yeah. it is. Yeah. Doctor Who. Yeah. References Back to the Future in the whatever season Martha Jones is in. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like. It, and that's like the time travel series, Doctor. Yeah, well, like it's, it's but Back to the Future is in the, the the public consciousness has become like the de facto way people think of time travel, which is really cool. Um, and I and I think that speaks to its its legacy, and I think it's going to continue to have one well past thirty fifth, probably even fiftieth anniversary. I don't know. I, 
I, I will always like it. And then I, there's people like us, like we'll introduce the next generation to it. And there's no reason that kids in the future won't be into it. And I can't see as well. Yeah. Like the effects hold up just because mainly it's just the, the style of the time and like the, the sets are great and they're very detailed. Like it's not, a, it's not about a car flying around in space and stuff. I mean, that's more the sequel, but the first movie I think will always be a cultural touchstone. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Um, and, and we should all be so lucky to, to ever create, put something like that out into the world. Agreed. And looking forward, like you said, Scott, if they ever rebooted it, you know, I don't think I'd, I'd be that upset if they tried to continue the story and like do a four, do a five, especially now when, you know, uh, Christopher Lloyd's pretty old and Michael J. Fox with, with Parkinson's, it's, it's going to be really tough to bring him back. I, I wouldn't want that. Um, and I think that would, I think you'd have the Star Wars problem, you know, where like it kind of diminished the entire franchise because they tried to keep telling the story yeah, and, yeah star wars is um, extremely tarnished um but we have a future episode of this show uh for that all about that um so we'll save that we'll save that for for another time um so, though speaking of star wars how do you guys rank this like with trilogies like how do you how, viewing it as a as one big story how do you think about it because i think it's flawed i think it's a great first movie and then like it doesn't really have a payoff by the end like, like that that's yeah I mean, like, Marty has his, like, character arc. Of not being the chicken. Well, just in the first movie, like, he's, you know, he's like, oh, I'll never get to play music in front of anybody. And then he, like, saves himself from existence by playing music in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, I I didn't even think about it like that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um... So many layers to the movie. It's um, so good. We're still yeah. talking about it and getting new things like out of it. Like it's amazing. <laughs> it's so, hard. I, yeah, I don't. I'm sorry, Kendall. Go. Oh no. Um, I don't. <laughs> you. I don't know how you would. I'm biased. I feel completely biased in trying to like compare it to other franchises because it's like I feel like every trilogy has like the dud somewhere. You know, it's usually it's, the third. Usually, yeah. Usually by the third. Um, I, I, I think the call outs and like the payoffs and, and callbacks and things, I just think that through all three movies, I, I, I put Back to the Future as a franchise and as a trilogy. I, I think I put it ahead of, of pretty much everything else. I can't think of anything else that I like more. Yeah, I, and that's fine. Um, so speaking of the future, uh, what kind of, besides, I know we talked about potentially another um, another movie and what, we might or may not see in that, but like, what kind of things would you like to see in the future? I think I can guess what you would like, Mr. Harry. Uh, Cause they do reference, they do reference these things in the first movie. He says he makes a bomb able to use pinball machine parts. I know you're jonesing for like a new pinball game. Yeah, I mean, the last I, one's kind of not all that good. The last one's not great. It, it came out uh, right before they switched over to dot matrix displays, so it still has the um, like alphanumeric uh, numbers and letters. It doesn't have like a dot display that can show scenes from the movie and stuff like that. Um, the callouts are very limited, um, so to see what they could do with today's technology, um, I think would be incredible, especially if they could get somebody like Christopher Lloyd or Tom Wilson uh, to come in and do the callouts. Um, I think that would just put it over the top. Um, I think and... Tom Wilson would be great because in the story of it, he can be the antagonist. 
Oh yeah, and it would make oh, sense yeah. why he's doing callouts and stuff. Uh, that would. Uh, there's so much cool things they can do with it. The trouble is, I don't know how you would handle time travel in it. It's tough. There was a time machine, uh, pinball machine that came out in 1988. That actually, as you shoot shots, you go through different modes, which are different decades. And what I thought that did really cool was it changed. Uh, since you can't change the play field, it's physical. It changed the chimes and sounds of the machine. So it went from a 1980s machine all the way back to the 1950s. And it started playing like old fashioned chimes, like the older pinball machines from that era. That so I thought that cool was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kendall, what but, uh, would you like to see from the franchise in the, in the future here? I mean, I, I don't... I don't know, like, what could be added. Like, you talked about a movie. Like, hey, remake it. or Charger. sequel. I'm, I'm okay with no more movies, honestly. I'd be cool. I'm, I'm cool with the end of Doc and Marty. Oh, that said, there is something coming up in the future that is cool. They're trusting over the Transformers, and we're going to have a little DeLorean, tra- like, time machine Transformer. So, like, yeah. Like, I, I think the only thing like left is just like weird out there crossing over transformers that is fun um and it's just like a neat little thing for the franchise but you know ultimately like i think it just works better it's it's a hard thing to keep ongoing stories yeah happening without the just like without it being repetitive yeah i do think i do think as a as a franchise expanded universe that we're also used to now i do i don't think it's something you can really build off of um but you know like like i i I don't think they really need to no Um, i I would love a new ride while everyone's still alive to record things for it uh you know knock on wood but um that that would be a lot of fun, just because I didn't get to experience. That's my that's my big, one of my big regrets is I didn't experience that as a kid. But uh, <laughs> I would love to to have a new Back to the Future ride. I will I'm say, I'm so uh, glad they saved the footage because there's yeah. so many rides that are just gone and you'll never yeah, see them again, except yeah. for like horrible YouTube video, you know. Quality, yeah. So I will say, you know, when them if they when they open Nintendo Land, I am planning to go back to Universal. So maybe you know they have time to kind of slap that back together and make it a thing. I don't know if uh, Disney's going to pull the Simpsons out anytime soon. That's a lot of people are saying like, Hey, maybe the Simpsons contract will expire and they'll have, they'll have to put something in there. So why not? I mean, I'm not getting my hopes up for them putting back to the future back. It'll probably be something else. Um, And like you said, like the, the resurgence, like since, like, I mean, it, it was especially big leading to 2015 with all those, like, fake images of the time circuits that were, like, coming out, like, every couple months. Um, but, I mean, Back to the Future right now is, like, I feel, like, so strong compared to early 2000s, you know? Oh, definitely. Do you guys, do you guys think that that is because the creators have protected the brand so much? Like the fact that we haven't really been oversaturated other than, you know, toys and some games here and there, Funko Pops. Yeah, I I would say that's, I think that would, I think that definitely helped this longevity. Um, Yeah. 
But like even then, sometimes like having the original creator involved doesn't help. Like look at the prequels with George Lucas. You know, I, I, I think I think they've been smart enough to to know what works for it and what doesn't and to give it to the right creative people throughout the years. Um, but yeah, but like I said, I, I think it is a little limited in what it can and can't do. Um, so I it's think ultimately, it's like the, the character, it's, it's not so much the time travel that is the draw, but exactly. it's just like those characters, yeah, like exist it, like, yeah, no, no pun intended, but time travel is just the vehicle to tell this story. <laughs> yeah, I Cause, mean, cause, like, because the original idea that? was just like, how, how, what would happen if you could meet your parents when they were your age back before you thought that they were like uncool and lame? Because we all kind of go through that transition in our life, and then that's just it just came up around the, the, the rest of the story came up around that. Um, so yeah, I, so you know, like, like I said, not that time travel is an afterthought for it, but. It's it's a it's a time travel movie, but it's not about the time travel. This second and third movie is a little bit different. Um, but at least the original story wasn't really about. It's not like they're like, oh, we got to go back in time and like get dinosaur DNA, and then we got to go to the future and like trade that to the aliens for some other. It's not about like having adventures through time. It's just yeah. yeah. That's that's why I'm mostly okay with like. I'm good. Like, give me fun things. Like, I'd love a Back to the Future time machine. Like, I can, like, I can even hear it. You pull back that thing, and it just, Oh, you like, mean pinball machine. I was saying, he was like, yeah, I would love a time machine. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> give Kendall the keys to the DeLorean. <laughs> yeah, pinball machine. But, yeah, you you pull it back, and it makes the, the noise. <laughs> yeah. Or, or oh. you know, you when you put the start button, it does that, do-do-do-do-do-do, you know, when they oh. show the date in the beginning. Oh, you would uh, be different modes that change the, the time circuits on top, and that's how you put in your your initials and stuff. You know, oh, so there's cool. so many cool things you could do with it. Yeah. yeah. It's Start definitely a theme awesome. for pinball players. It's on the top of every, like, dream theme list that I've seen. So I know that pinball companies know that people want it. I just don't know if there's a rights issue. Because I, I know with a lot of merchandise that comes out, a lot of times it's branded as Back to the Future Part Two instead of the first one because like there's a some kind of weird licensing thing with the first one where it's harder to get that onto products. Interesting. So, I will say two might be the more interesting pinball machine just because it's got so much more going on in it, like in so many more time periods. Um, and like I said, it'd be funny because it's it'd be the, the trilogy. It would be the second game. It would be the second game. So part two, you know, it's our yeah. second go at it. But the, the first pinball machine does cover kind of the whole trilogy in the, in the artwork at least. Yeah. Um, but yeah. They they need to redo it. Just the, the technology now is so much better than what they had then. God, can you like a cool like DeLorean toy in it that like you can probably charge it. You well, hey, you probably have Mister Fusion. You have to charge it up, and then it, like lights up when it's ready to go. Like do your time to do your like time chaos multi ball or something, or like <laughs> or like it can like lift up and its wheels go under when you go to like the nineteen uh, you know twenty fifteen. There's so much fun thing. See, I like that part of pinball games because I'm I'm super casual. And I'm like, ooh, there's a Demogorgon I can shoot the ball in its mouth. It's the best game. Because uh, I really like our Stranger Things game. That's part of the reason like, I blew my mind with this, the, the Ninja Turtles one. Because not only is it one of my favorite versions of the Turtles, there's just so much fun things in it. Mm-hmm. That if they did, they, that if Back to the Future even got like half of a similar kind of like love that that game got, it would be one of my favorite games ever. 
Um, I just need there to be a call out that's like, you have to use your hands? That's like a baby's toy. That just has to <laughs> that be in would there at least, somewhere. That would at least have to be like when you start the game. Yeah, or tilted or, or, or something. Or like it's the demo, like the attract mode. <laughs> oh, it would be so cool. That, that's one of the... If they give us that, then they don't have to do anything back to the future ever again, except for give <laughs> yeah, us something. Parker. I would I, be I in trouble. See. Yeah, because you would... Buy I'd it. have to go get like the limited edition fancy version of it. I'd have to sell off like my whole collection. Yeah, just ugh, I'd, I'd be in bad shape. That's fine. I'd get to play it, so I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if you're in financial ruin. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, I, I I know you would. That that would be a day one thing for you. I know you would. That's like, that's a dream theme for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, um, that's something to look forward to. I I kind of feel it's a little inevitable. Um, Stern's been making a lot of things based on Universal properties for the past couple of years. Because was it Jurassic Park was last year? Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. Yeah. Last yeah. I thought year. it was last, last summer. summer, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think Jaws they did is it. a rumored title coming up. Jaws would be fun too, because again, you could probably shoot a, uh, the shark would probably eat your balls. Because yeah. um, uh, the T Rex does that in the the, the both Jurassic Park games. Um, and and Zen Pinball uh, with Pinball FX, they did a digital Back to the Future table recently. But the the voices uh, that yeah. they chose for Doc and Marty yeah. just kill it for me. It, yeah, they 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 ruin it brutal. for me too because they're not very good. The cool thing about it is because it's a digital table, when you change time periods, the table actually changes mm -hmm. um, to different the different time periods and stuff. Um, but yeah, this the voices they're not good. Um, and like, yeah, they, they completely pulled me out of that too. The rest of the Universal Pack's pretty good though. I like the Jaws table a lot. Like mm -hmm. the guy I got to play Quentin, it's not great, but like it's fine. Yeah, I think the problem is too. Uh, uh, Rick and Morty recently came out, and Rick and Morty, uh, I think it started as a parody of Back to the it Future. It was a parody or of Back like to the Future. So you know, everybody now you have a bunch of kids that are like, oh, this Back to the Future is just like Rick and Morty, and it's like, whoa, 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 it's the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> Other than an old man and a kid, I uh, you know, it's, I don't know. I I'm not a big fan of Rick and Morty. Yeah, I liked but, it fine, but then the fan base like ruined it for me, and I'm like, this is stupid. It, it feels like that's the direction they went in, though, with the voices for that digital pinball machine. Yeah, like, I can just, definitely hear that. Um, yeah, but you know, play it on you. Just play the 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 soundtrack. You're good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I know it's getting late and some of us have to get up in the morning so we're probably gonna cut it here um unless you guys uh, got any final thoughts on back to the future as a franchise or as a movie or what things people might want to experience with it uh go for it yeah just uh it's a great time um yeah it's it was great growing up with um I'm sure so many people have grown up with and uh, yeah, it's great to, if you're an adult with a family, your kids are going to love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's coming back to Netflix. Uh, so definitely if you haven't watched it in a while, check it out. It is See on Netflix the... now. That's how I rewatched it. Cool. So yeah, I mean, check out the, the little things, even if you know the main story, there's so much going on in the background. Uh, the writing uh, is so great that, you know, there's things that you'll pick up every time you watch it, um, which makes it like a really great thing. And, you know, if you ever get a chance to go out to California, a lot of the original shooting locations are still around. Um, George's house, uh, Biff's grandmother's house, 
the tree where uh, George was climbing to spy on Lorraine that kicked off the whole thing in the first movie, the courthouse, um, all of those places are still around and, uh, you know, they're, they're available, you know, if you just have a vacation out there or, you know, you can look them up. There's people that have done uh, tours and it's a really cool way to, to check out uh, locations for the movie that still look very, very similar to the way they did back in, you know, 1985. Cool. Well, I'm, I, one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, hands down, uh, uh, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's been very influential in, in how I, I, I like to look at movies. Like I said, I consider it a perfect movie, even though my favorite movie is, is Ghostbusters. I don't consider Ghostbusters a perfect movie. I do consider Back to the Future to be one of the few. Um, and that's just because it's so richly layered and, and dense and the characters are so well written. And like, you don't even have to get this deep into it as we have. You can, it's even just surface level. It's a great movie. And uh, I'm sure we're breaking no new ground recommending it. Um, but yeah, uh, so with that, we'll sign off. Um, you know, I'm not sure what our next episode is going to be. We're going to record these a little bit out of order. Um, I've been quarantining. My brother tested positive for coronavirus, so I've been s- stuck at home. So we're our schedule's been shifted around a little bit, but um, I will be going back. I, I've been testing negative. I haven't been sick. So I, we, I, you know, it shouldn't be an issue for me. But uh, I know this wasn't supposed to be the – this wasn't the scheduled episode for this week, but um, regardless, I wanted to talk about Back to the Future anyway, especially since uh, Harry reminded me earlier this year, I think last month, that it was the 35th anniversary. So it felt like an appropriate time. And you two are the biggest Back to the Future fans I know. So I wanted to definitely bring you on. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, always illuminating to talk BTTF. Um, and uh so until next time, everyone stay safe out there.